good day and welcome to another special episode of the Offside Musings podcast. On behalf of my co-host, Emeka Onyagwa, I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode. Today we're going to look at a bunch of developments in Nigeria. Some people are calling for the impeachment of President Muhammad Buhari on account of the worsening security situation in the country. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the fact that more states are forming their own statewide security outfits, again, to grapple with the problem, the crisis indeed, of insecurity in their states. And we're going to look at this in terms of what it says about uh, perhaps the imperative of establishing state police uh, within Nigeria. We're going to look also at the fact that President Muhammad Buhari spent more than a billion naira at a time when Nigeria is in a financial crisis to buy 10 SUV vehicles for officials in the government of Niger Republic. We're going to look at the worsening financial crisis in the country with the Nigerian Central Bank being accused credibly by knowledgeable people of simply printing trillions of naira for the Nigerian government to meet the budget deficit. So in today's episode, we're going to be looking at these and other political developments as well as Uh, economic uh, developments within the Nigerian state that is increasingly in an uneasy condition. You're welcome. It's always an eventful day in Nigeria, as long as you're not on the phone with people in Nigeria, because that's a different case. Most times you end up crying. (laughs) I end up crying at least. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, I mean, it's crazy, man. Um, the where did we even start from Saturday? Well, um, I guess we talked about the the calls for Buhari's um, uh, impeachment. Um, you know that some senators are insisting uh, that the president has done uh, an atrocious job as the commander in chief uh, in terms of ensuring the security of lives and property. Uh, within the Nigerian space. And um, so the question is, should he uh, be impeached? And my take is that, um, again, I warned about seven years ago, eight years ago, as Buhari was uh, campaigning to be president, I I warned that Buhari was going to prove to be a dud. Um, I didn't think that Buhari was um, particularly bright as a military um, a head of state. Um, and when he was running uh, prior to the 2015 election, uh, basically, Buhari was going around Nigeria raising brooms. <laughs> and um, as I did tell uh, Kayode Gundamisi uh, in an interview on Ben Television in London, that to raise a broom is not a program. Okay? <laughs> that to run a country 
takes imagination and takes thinking and takes intelligence, takes the um, the uh, the design of the kind of society you would like to 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 see come into being under your leadership. Uh, the changes that you want to make and how define how those changes are going to impact positively on the lives of Nigerians. But, you know, Nigerians, uh, I guess, were persuaded by the um, false message of change. Um, again, the wooliness that goes for political discourse in our country. Because there are some situations where even when you're in a bad place, when somebody offers you change, change could actually be worse than your bad situation. So you have to always have the best information, evaluate that information in order to make a political choice. So for me, the question, should Buhari be impeached? Uh, my short answer would be, uh, let's do it yesterday. <laughs> uh, but having said that, I don't want to stop at impeaching Buhari. I want to bring up an argument I've been making uh, as, you know, for numerous times on this uh, podcast that Nigeria is in such bad shape. Uh, and when we say bad shape, Nigeria has been in bad shape for decades now mm -hmm. that the country has come to a moment of collapse. Uh, the country is comatose. And therefore, that if the members of the National Assembly are contemplating uh, the impeachment of Buhari, they should go a step further and begin a conversation about constituting an emergency, uh, I, I used to say emergency interim government, I will call it an emergency rescue apparatus. I believe you said emergency transitional. Transitional. Government. Yes. 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 So now I like to call it an emergency rescue government of experts in the different areas of the country to undertake the task, first of all, of, of determining, you know, to start with whether Nigerians even have the will to stay together. And that's a fundamental question. If they do have that will, then we have to tackle the question of what constitutional arrangement uh, is going to um, uh, um, take. Sort of, uh, yeah, it's going to see to 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 the continuation of this of this uh, contraption called Nigeria, and then we have to set up basic infrastructure in education, in uh, our healthcare system, in our financial sector, a reform of our political processes, so that you don't have. Uh, just brainless idiots <laughs> who have stolen money coming around to buy the country as if the country were for sale. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll start from saying, I mean, the first thing yeah. we're dealing with is this. So, you know, I'll start from saying it's not even a question. I believe it's more of a question of should he go? Should he just, like, do you even, you know, just... Find a way for the guy to leave, right? You yeah, know. he's he he's not added anything to Nigeria, or he's added something. He's added something <laughs> profoundly negative. Yeah. So this man has taken a country that was broken, and he's taken it to a state of almost irreparable brokenness. Yeah. You know, instead of 
healing uh, any of those rifts. Every sector of Nigeria, economic, security, uh, law and order, uh, infrastructure, has been left worse by this man than he found it. Yeah, well, 100%. I think even he at this point in time was was talking about leaving him. Like, you know, he's not staying, he's leaving. Um, you know, so I, I was thinking, of, you know, you've been saying this for a while. I was thinking about it. Um, I also have a lot of work I, I, I have to do as well within this period. And I was thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about the essentially the history of um, successful nation states states that have navigated nation states or republics or you know historical um um what we know in history so yeah. so to to go into it right it's if you go into history you go into history of successful nation states you go into history of not to bore people with the details of all those things whether it's romance the greeks whether it's um, whichever successful nation state you might think of, the Ottoman Turks, the Egyptians, um, whichever ones, you go into, move away from what the fable tales are and you go into it, you see difficult situations in their history where they made decisions that nobody could tell how it was going to turn out, but they knew that they had to do something. And one of those things, you know, that you look at maybe the Romans in terms of what they might have done or the Egyptians, but one of those things that we might have to do as a country might be something akin to what either is America or the UK or, yeah, when I say the UK, England creating the UK has had to, has, has done. If you go into it, you take a look at it, it you'd, in, in, in the context it happened, there's no zero guarantee. Just sitting down and like, okay, they have to do something. Nigeria is in that situation. Something needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, what's happening is not working. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, clearly. Um, uh, and and I understand that for some Nigerians, there's this. Um, there's clearly a, a Buhari fatigue in in the country. Um, I was just reading uh, my my friend, the former MI of Kanu, uh, Sanusi Lamido Sanusi, just said that not only has Buhari and his uh, group uh, wrecked the country, but they want to <laughs> they want Nigerians to be grateful to them for for, <laughs> for the job, you know. Um, and so I know that there is a fatigue around about Buhari, and people just say, okay, let him just take his bad news and move on uh, by next year, May of next year and all. Um, and so, but again, as my um, co-host Mecca just uh, proposed, we, we are at a critical point in our history. Uh, and I've made this point again and again um, in talking about the major political candidates. I have been clear that of all the candidates, Peter Obi is the one who um, has shown that he has any brain power to talk about the problems of the country. But I've also said to people that Peter Obi is not magic man. So <laughs> much as much as he 
uh, understands. Or, or Magic Mike to some. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a very stripper, there's a stripper movie called yeah. Mill Strippers, anyway. Yes. Uh, yeah. so, so, you know, as much as he has a grasp of the, um, of the, of the terrible state of the country, we, we have a situation now where another issue that we said we were going to discuss, where the, the Nigerian state is so bankrupt, um, the price of oil has been high for a while, but apparently the NMPC is not contributing any money to, uh, to the national uh, revenue stream in the country. And I think that part of it is because of all these, um, you know, all the um, uh, crisis again in, in that sector, right? That much of the oil that uh, oil, produ- oil companies uh, lift in Nigeria, much of it is stolen by rogue act- actors who happen to be so politically plugged in that the Nigerian state does not have the capacity or the will to stop them. I won't be surprised if some of them are ex-heads of states, ex-generals, highly connected people. But the truth of the matter is that uh, at a time when the, Ni- when the Nigerian state should be making a lot of money from oil, there is no money uh, coming in from there. And so, basically... So Nigerians understand this. If you are a civil servant in Nigeria, a federal civil servant or a state civil servant, and you are being paid your salary, basically the Nigerian government is printing money. You know, countries don't operate this way. And even when the U.S. government does massive deficit budgeting and spending, it's because there is, there is so much capacity embedded in the U.S. economy that there is confidence so people around the world are able to uh, invest in the prospect of America remaining economically powerful. But Nigeria has nothing going for it. So when Nigeria prints a Naira, there is nothing. There is no productive capacity to back that Naira. It's just worthless paper being printed which is why we now see politicians resort to the dollar as their go-to default mode of offering bribes, whether it's to delegates or to their supporters and so on. So we, we are at a point where the country has collapsed. When you, when you have not, no money coming in and, and you have to print it, um, <laughs> That an mean level of 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 fiscal policy. Let's just you know. Oh, there's no money to pay. Go, go and print. Go and print money and just give people. Um, so the naira is becoming w- more and more worthless, and the nation's uh, debt profile. Because when you print money, when the central bank prints money, <laughs> it's a debt. <laughs> the Nigerian government. So when they pay you, it's worthless. But they are owing this money. It's not free money. Um, and so we have external indebtedness, we have in, uh, domestic indebtedness, we have this um, deficit financing of recurrent budget, not capital project, recurrent. Um, so that in the end, we, we have to think seriously of pausing this thing that we pretend is a nation, of pausing this idea of 
we're going to have elections next year and, you know, we will apply, you know, elect somebody and things will be good, you know. I think Peter B will do the, the the best job of the three major candidates, Tinubu, Atiku. Maybe of even all the, all the candidates, yes, who cares? Of, of all the candidates out there, right? But even the challenges that Peter B or any president is going to face will be so structurally uh, structurally uh, deep, seismic uh, uh, in scale, that in the end the effect, you know. So, so in the end, I think that we have to seriously contemplate this uh, interim emergency rescue government. If people like Peter be a part of it, and he can be in one sector of the government. That would be fine, you know. But the the problems of the country, you know. So Buhari, the sooner Buhari uh, quits the stage or is is just removed from the stage, the better for this process. I think. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I don't, I don't see. I mean, I said it, I just said it. You know, I don't see what um, even he himself agrees that he wants to go as, as quickly as possible. Um, so sitting down and and taking a look at it is like, look. Um, What's going to happen? Uh, how is it going to happen? More like, I don't even think he should be impeached. I, th- I think people should implore on him, like, almost like a Babangida was implored on to step down by some people, including Abacha, to step down. <laughs> well, wasn't implored on, but, you know, more or less, he had to step down. I think Buhari is at that stage where he needs to yeah. step down 100%. Um, and they need to figure things out. They're, the states just came out with their debt profile at CBN, legal states. Um, for those who sit down and another piece of evidence for those who sit down and talk about Tinubu as being a great state. And if you look at the breakdown of their debts, a lot of it is directly related to Tinubu and a lot of it is also directly related to the people he put there. And if you you don't need to, you don't. I won't even say you have to read in between the lines because you know Tinubu runs and has run Lagos State since 1999. So all this is of is doing is over one point something um, billion. Um, you think of how much money he's, he spends. You think of the big states, Rivers, owed a lot of money there. Um, what, you know, the who is who in Nigeria yeah. and in terms are, of states. These are oil-producing states. All owing okay. so much money. Oil-producing states that have squandered the money they got from, um, from you know, they... Um, Derivative uh, principle, you know, that gives them 13% of the the country's earnings uh, from oil, and yet they've gone out to borrow, which, by the way, borrowing money is not a bad thing, okay? If you have an imagination and the capacity for wisely investing that money. The problem that we've always had with uh, Nigerian governments at the state and federal level is just the absolute absence of rigor in in terms of um, determining that if we invest this amount, uh, we're going to uh, invest it properly, we're going to in- invest it in the right sectors, and then we have, before we borrow the money, we have thought through 
the question of how to turn that investment into productive activity that would ultimately uh, not only pay itself, um, uh, be self-paying, yeah. but, but add something significant to economic development. In Nigeria, we, we borrowed money for years and years on what they call rural electrification. That money is just pocketed by, by a few fools, you know. There is no impact on rural electrification uh, in the country. And um, I, I was just reading Buhari saying to, um, uh, talking about the need for uh, solar panels, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, so this man is so bereft of ideas that, you know, he sits down and he thinks, yeah, you know, let's bring in more solar panels and Nigeria will have uh, regular electricity. It's, it's, it's just, you know, again, look, the young people in Nigeria and they... I mean, f- I I mean for those that don't yeah. know, right, yeah. um, solar energy is the future. I'm not even going to argue that. You want to argue that, that's fine. But if you, we've seen what's happening currently. Mm-hmm. We've seen not how... Just, not just solar energy, though. Alternative sources of... Which will power. become, which so will become the main... solar is in the mix. Wind is in the mix. Yeah, they will become the future, yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, even nuclear. Will be, you know, well, I don't even call nuclear alternative, but I think it probably will be hydrogen, creating energy from water, essentially. But if you look at what's happening now, if you look at how Europe, even America, mm-hmm. even where we live, um, Indian power wells, they shut down the nuclear plants. They shut down a lot of the nuclear plants in Europe. Because they, they had this mindset of Chernobyl, all these disasters that's happened in Europe. And they decided, you know, they want to go through this clean energy thing. And what's affecting them now? Okay, oh, they felt gas is going to be... And, and it's fine. I think they'll eventually reach a settlement in Ukraine. They'll eventually come back together and all those things. But the key point of, of this is that all those there, wind, um, solar, and so on, we're not ready for prime time. Yeah. I was in Germany two months, three months ago. They have massive... I was in Bavaria. They have massive... When I say massive, massive solar... This, um, I mean, when, when, when you are flying into any part of Germany... Uh, just aerially, you see all these uh, windmills and so on and so forth all over the place. Yeah. You know, in a sense, making the uh, <laughs> the <laughs> landscape look quite ugly. <laughs> and for all the trillions of dollars that have been put into uh, these technologies, they, the yield is still very, very modest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to, um, I hope that they, I, I believe that the technology is going to get better. Uh, and so on and so forth. But Nigeria, as an oil-producing country, you know, as a, as a country that has rivers and, you know, bodies of water that has ample sun and so on, if we had had, over the years, leadership that was, that could use this imagination, Nigeria would not be where it is today. In terms African before Haitian, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, that, that's true, but... Yeah. Um, so, anyway, but... Uh, so with all kinds of anxieties and apologies, we use that, that pejorative uh, voodoo economics. But this is a woman who is an accountant and should perhaps never have been finance minister of a country like Nigeria. 
whether it's you know just if you look at uh, the um, if you look at the era of Okonji Iwala, for example, and if you look at some other people who have occupied that office, that this woman comes eminently unqualified uh, to be uh, the finance minister, and so under her. Uh, management that basically uh, the Nigerian government has turned to the central bank bank to print it money, you know, just to print whatever the country needs uh, month after month. Um, and I, again, I um, this is the path to the Zimbabweanization of Nigeria. <laughs> you know. Good thing. And um, and we we do know that there was a time. When in Zimbabwe, to go buy a loaf of bread, literally you had to carry the cash in, in a wheelbarrow um, <coughs> because that's how worthless the Zimbabwean dollar had become, you know, for all kinds of reasons. You know, I mean, uh, Robert Mugabe, um, you know, faced all kinds of challenges, some of them self-inflicted, some of them uh, true External. pressures yes. you know, that were asserted by the international community because of his domestic policies. That Essentially, the, um, land, the uh, land, land, land reform. The land reform yes. uh, issue. But, you know, so if Nigeria continues to print money, there'll come a time when even uh, granite sellers who will stop accepting it, uh, if, they, if, if you want to buy uh, granite, have you go produce a dollar or CDs or whatever, you know. Um, uh, you know but so so it's, it's a very, very bad situation. And again, something that calls, so I know that Premium Times reported that Nigerian governors held uh, a meeting with, uh, with President Buhari and um, spoke against that um, mode of uh, deficit financing of the of the Nigerian government's budget, mm-hmm. and they propose turning in. Uh, they I think is now in excess of nineteen trillion in such disbursements by the central bank. So they turn. They propose that it be turned into a hundred year uh, bond at at one percent. So interesting, and there is a precedent. I think. Um, some European countries have attempted such um, uh, issuance of bonds on their uh, public debt. But the question is, the way Nigeria is going now, do Nigerians even have confidence that Nigeria will be there in 10 years, much less uh, investors investing in a 100-year bond? Um, issued by, by the Nigerian government. I, I personally um, uh, would not do it. But, you know, so I, I sort of felt that this was an attempt by, um, by the governors to uh, push down the, uh, sort of down the road um, uh, an economic crisis that is unprecedented so that in a hundred years we're all dead. <laughs> you know, most of us, at any rate, some people will. You might, know. some of us might still be alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe if, if you are going to be a hundred and uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. Um, but yeah, but um, so the whole idea of printing money is is as again as, as I said before is uh, reminiscent of uh, Idi Amin's uh, kind of. Um, uh, policies physical policy you know, I mean it was famous in that movie where it was like there's no money going printed yes it was and it was actually an accurate line too by the way uh, 100% so it's it's man um, the sad part and I hope a lot of people will keep tuning in and understanding the reality of um, um, what America calls quantitative easy or what the Europeans do to what Nigeria is doing um and it's not going to all the mechanisms of how these things work or the imbalance in the world. No, it's just telling you like some people can do it and call it a fancy name. You can't. Um, I hate to be the bearer. We, you know, it's reality. You just can't. And even when those people do it with their mechanisms and all that, and um, you know, we could talk. We could really we could be, you could go into it and all that and be like yeah you know these guys are doing it um there's no longer gold standard on and on and on yes you're right there's no gold standard there's no this there's no that but they have their own mechanisms of doing it um essentially creating an o on the balance sheets whatever you know but the way these countries end up doing it in nigeria as we saw it in Sri lanka they try to do the same thing the whole place has collapsed uh, they're talking of Bangladesh now and the same thing. It's not going to work for Nigeria. It can't, you can't, um, the, 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 the way it, it, Emirates last week uh, announced that they are reducing, reduction of flights to Nigeria. Um, I was looking at the flight to Nigeria end of this week and it's giving me like two stops. Yeah. Something that used to be like at worst one stop, you go to Dubai, Abu Dhabi rather. And now it's giving me two stops, not even Abu Dhabi, it's giving me different places. They can't get same thing up with United. Examples. These are companies that are finding it near impossible. To remove their money. And these are yeah. providing jobs, economic activities, you name it, tourists coming in, money coming out from that. It, it, but they can't even do it. They yeah. they can't it, it's to give you a sense that it, that these these companies who are um, vital and some oil companies still have pulled out from Nigeria, if yeah. I'm not wrong. Some, yeah, some some oil companies at least have sold a lot of their assets to Nigerians, and the Nigerians who bought those assets are, you know, are, <laughs> are not very happy. Yeah, because uh, you know suddenly you are seeing that. Um, uh, in the Nigerian sector, oil sector is like is being hijacked by uh, a, a bunch of non-state actors but who have tentacles in the state and who are protected by the state. So they might as well be state actors, you know. So so you have a legitimate business in oil exploration, and you find that. You are being undercut by people who are very low overhead and they have access to more oil than you who are doing it legitimately. So the country is really, you know... I mean, yeah, and, and you're, you're looking at a situation where a lot of these guys too are having that foreign exchange problem too. So it's... it's And, and, and it's just... Bringing that up is just to tell you that even the Nigerians doing the business have, having problems. Well, I mean, the... It's still black gold, yes. you know, 
you get the concept of calling it black gold. It's not like, you know, you, you get the concept. It's still black gold. It's still having a problem getting foreign exchange. So you imagine people coming in by flights having problems, having people coming in by other things having problems. You're having less and less businesses being able to come into Nigeria. So it's at that prop. It's at that point where uh, Ghana was before, and Ghana might be coming to, but that's a whole different conversation because they also are having IMF problems because they have to go get loans and stuff. So it's, it's at that point. So it's a situation where, not to bore you with the me- the, the mechanics, the you know the the, me- the the mechanics of it. It's a it's a problem. The way things are happening now, it was there. United pulled out of Nigeria. A lot of companies, I think, seven years ago, if I'm not wrong, they tried to come back. Now they are still having the same problems. It's getting harder and harder for people, and we don't seem to understand. The finance minister is just ordering <laughs> the central bank to print money. Um, she doesn't clearly have a, has a grasp of. Um, I don't know about her qualifications, but I, I certainly don't think an accountant should be the finance minister. Although, I, I wouldn't want to insult um, the previous lady, uh, Kemi Adelsu, yes. who was also an accountant, by the way. And I felt she was ill-equipped, but she wasn't removed for that. Um, she was framed in a different way and re- taken out of office. Um, but I don't feel an accountant should be, and and, and in this case, it's showing 100%. So, um, you know, the next thing we're going to talk about is um, they. Uh, so, uh, Benue State just formed what they call. I think uh, they called it the um, uh, Security Volunteer Group. You know, a Security Volunteer Group, um, and the the state governor Samuel Adam. Um, said at the unveiling of this new security outfit, I, I hope that's the name, um, said at the unveiling that the state would go and purchase AK-47s. And other states, uh, Ondo, Zamfara, um, you know, uh, Anambra in the past, I don't know how it's happening now, um, Imo State, have set up their own security outfits so what, of course, this is in response to the really uh, devastating state of, um, of, of security uh, in, in, uh, in all parts of the country, in all parts of the country. And I know that we are planning to look at the BBC um, uh, documentary uh, about insecurity uh, in Nigeria which has riled up the Nigerian government and is threatening to um, um, uh, impose all kinds of sanctions, including perhaps the expulsion of the BBC from Nigeria. So that's another separate program that we'll look at systematically. But apparently, in addition to the scale of insecurity that is visible out there, there are indeed huge security crises in Nigeria that are not publicized. And I was speaking with uh, somebody who is in the know within Nigeria, and uh, he explained that the Buhari government actually um, tries to suppress media reports of some of the country's security challenges, 
uh, especially uh, bandits who go and kidnap people for ransom and so on. And the government's argument is that media reports tend to sort of provide fuel uh, for these criminals. Um, but that should not be the way to address these things. You know, the fact that these criminals are able to attack at will any section of the country, including Katsina, the homestead of the president, including the convoy, security convoy of the president was attacked. And, you know, Mongonu, the president's, uh, the, the Nigerian national security advisor, you know, has acknowledged that the president's convoy was attacked and that some of the security personnel were killed. As we speak, nobody has accounted for who carried out their attacks. Uh, just today, uh, Punch was reporting that I think 140 or so, perhaps even more, uh, potential invaders were accosted in Ondo State, again, by Amotekun, which is the sort of the southwestern um, vigilante or security group and so on. So the, the question then is, if the, if the federal government has a monopoly on law enforcement, so we have, we have no state police in Nigeria, and the federal government is failing to address, to stop uh, terror attacks throughout the country, to arrest um, uh, terrorists, to prosecute any terrorists, and so on, then we need to revisit the whole question of state police, which people have had all kinds of objections to because if, you know, some critics feel that this will give um, a, another layer of power to state governors who might um, abuse those, those um, uh, outfits um, and use them against their political opponents and so on and so forth. But the Nigerian government, the presidents in our country, people who are close to the presidents have used, have, have misused a federal monopoly on law enforcement to punish their political opponents in the states as well as the federal level. Um, but at any rate, the challenges that we face today should be more systematically addressed, um, both at the federal level as well as the state level. So I'm a bit uneasy about putting together a ragtag outfit and calling it a volunteer guard, volunteer guards, um, or a bubago or whatever, you know, that, that you're called. Because these people are not well trained, not that, <coughs> not that Nigerian police are trained, you know. So again, it's all... It's all a narrative of a country that has, over the decades of its being, allowed every institution to deteriorate to the point of absolute chaos. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I know the um, 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 
thoughts about those things, people feel like ah, it's going to be exactly what is what is stated. Like the governors or the local government chairmans are going to have undue influence, and it's going to become a kingdom. But um, well, not a kingdom. <laughs> it's going to become a um, enclave of some sort. But you know, for me, I just I've always felt, and I still feel like it should be there um, historically stronger societies um, grow from those things um, historically. I don't think necessarily will always end well, 100%, I think. Whether it's just that, whether it's guns, whether it's, um, there'll always be, especially uh, when you start off, after such a long time, because if you go back in history in Nigeria, um, the British, one of the first things they did in the Southeast and even in the North too, was to take all the weapons from the people, disarm, population up outright disarming outright uh this thing and outright um i would always state it was paired with the taking out of history even back from 1920s 1930s when the ekulumeku wars were going on in nigeria they they were once they disarmed you they once they once they got to you they would disarm you once they disarmed you they would introduce their um, education and brand it in a certain way and part of that brand the part of that the main part of that education was to strip you from your um previous consciousness make sure you were separate from it so you didn't really know that you've had guns you've had all these things you've had um what people now term in to mean in a pejorative way vigilantes um, you've had community policing. I think it's it's a term I'd rather even yeah. use personally. Um, you've had community policing long before colonial power showed up. Um, but I think the absence of that for the last, I'm not going to tell you that. Yeah, we did it uh, before the 1920s. Then oh, automatically snap it, snap in. No, the absence of that for a long time is going to create a situation where um, it's going to be it's going to be a very uncomfortable adjustment yeah. to the reality. I, I have got no, but I think, you know, if, sadly, if you've had a situation like that for the longest time, I think if you're going to be a society, if you're going to be as a collective, not as individuals in um, the modern world, you, you sadly, you're, just, you're going to have to go through it. Um, I think it needs to be there. Um, I think policing is best done by uh, communities. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's, un- it's understood in every country that has a uh, secure space um, that the closer the security apparatus is to the people who are policed, the better. You know, because then there's mutual trust between the citizens and the law enforcement. Uh, law enforcement um, knows basically who is who in a community, the elements who are prone to crime are known because there is trust, mutual trust between the apparatus and the community. Uh, there is a flow of information uh, in uh, both directions. People uh, uh, will give tips and intelligence to uh, the police units and then the police would also alert the community to threats and so on to watch out for. So, clearly, um, there's an evolution in that uh, direction, you know. Uh, we now have uh, uh, Benue State uh, setting up his own security unit. 
just like several other states have done, and I believe that more states are going to do the same. But the question is, um, how do you ensure a kind of professional, um, how do you ensure professional competence so that these units do not quickly turn into the kind of criminal outfits that the Nigerian police have become? You know, the other day, uh, there was a video uh, that went viral of a police officer boasting that, you know, uh, where he was in Kogi State at his checkpoint was his market and that he would he accepts bribes and would negotiate, in fact, dictate what you had to give him uh, without any compulsion, you know, without any uh, sense of restraint uh, because he says, I'm in my market, you know, and uh, the police made this fanfare of, you know, dismissing that officer who was caught in that video. But so many different officers have done the same thing. In fact, it's the, it's the rule rather than the exception in numerous encounters with the police is that they will demand a bribe and tell you that they have all the power and you better do as they say. So uh, if, if you're going to make a fanfare of dismissing the one guy who went viral... For me to be impressed, you have to dismiss <laughs> maybe 99% of the police force because uh, that's, that's sort of what Nigerians feel, right? That's the system. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. as, as states continue to articulate their own security responses to their own sort of law enforcement uh, response to insecurity, the ins crisis of insecurity, we have to address the question of uh, professional competent training so that these new outfits don't simply become another way of, of, of brutalizing innocent citizens. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> eventually they might get there. But, you know, that being said, this week is uh, a much shorter episode because for a number of reasons, yeah, you're not feeling well, yeah. every other thing. So. Yeah, so um, I really apologize. I'm, you know, I have, um, yeah, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's not COVID. <laughs> I've had COVID, uh, but uh, this is, but I, I feel quite under the weather, so it's been difficult. And uh, so we thank you. Uh, we are excited, sick or not, to... Um, come to you week after week and uh, we hope that you're going to join us uh, next week and uh, for f future episodes. Have a brilliant uh, rest of the day. All right.